Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, December 5th, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm speaking today with political correspondent Tal Schneider and Tech Israel editor Sharon Robel. Hi, how are you both? Hi, hi, Jessica. Hi. Hi there. It is day 60 of the war. One IDF officer and two soldiers were killed during fighting in northern Gaza. Four others were seriously wounded. That raises the military death toll since Israel's ground offensive began in late October to 78. There were also air raid alarms in the Gaza border towns of Nir Oz and Nirim, both of which have been mostly evacuated. And Beersheba had rocket sirens yesterday and this morning uh, for the first time in many weeks. Today, we will discuss the UN Women Rights Group finally condemning Hamas and the evidence of sexual violence during the October 7th attack. And we'll also talk about how Israel's tech community is surviving during this ongoing war. All of that after a quick break. Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachuk's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis, so they're only compensated when they succeed. The Sarachuk Law Team strongly supports Israel. You can reach the Sarachek team at www.sarachechlawfirm.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-E-K lawfirm.com or at 646-403-9775. The proceeding is an attorney advertisement and past results are no guarantee of future performance. Okay, Tal, it's been eight weeks, now a little bit more, since the war began. And while Israeli authorities have for weeks been showing proof of sexual assault and violence during the October 7th attacks, it's only now that the that UN Women, it's called the UN Women Group, is stepping up to confirm that, to make a statement about that. Talk to us about it. Right. Uh, thank you, Jessica. It's a very uh, sensitive and, uh, you know, tough issue. And uh, it is true that uh, we had um, evidence and statements and eyewitnesses since October 7th telling the stories of women who were severely uh, attacked and uh, some of them, you know, raped and then murdered at a gunpoint. Uh, we have uh, several uh, witnesses who actually saw that. And those things have been told and, um, and you know, uh, statements have been issued by Israel's authorities and Israel's investigation bodies since the beginning. Yet the international community and the international bodies we're just turning a blind eye to that. And um, it came up to the point where the UN Women, the, the agency that, that deals with um, you know, gender equality and issues like that, was just kind of ignoring the whole thing. And, and, and when they put out a, a very weak statement back in October, it was equating both sides of the conflict and so on. So uh, Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Ardan, uh, decided to gather a special um, 
special session. It's not a UN session. It's a session by Israel's uh, representative. But hundreds of people arrived to the session and also outside of the UN um, headquarter to protest against this silent. And what he did was um, was um, smart. He actually brought um, first eyewitnesses to the UN to to speak, and they brought some footage and videos. Um, some of the things were rough, but not all of them. And those th- things were shown to the people who were in the session, such that people cannot deny the witnesses anymore and um he actually uh, spoke last night and he said that israel suffered on october 7th one of the most brutal massacres since the holocaust and uh, atrocities were more barbaric than isis and some um you know family burned alive children executed in front of their parents and so on and he also said the crimes also went into rape sexual violence and using sexual violence as a weapon of war and with those uh, statements, um, he brought in also the former Meta executive Sheryl Sandberg, who stood on the podium. She has she has an NGO that deals with women rights and uh, sexual harassments and so on. She stood on the podium and she gave a very forceful speech uh, about the way that international bodies are just trying to ignore it. Um, you know, we know that um, the UN Women, it's again, it's the UN Nations Entity for Gender Equality and the Empowerment of Women. They issued a very weak statement on October 13, you know, calling all sides to stop. Whereas obviously we all know that only one side was attacking Israel. I mean, Israel did not initiate any sort of attack at the time. Um, then after coming after a criticism, they, they wrote something um, very weird and short on Instagram saying it was a brutal attack by the Hamas, but then they deleted it. And only on December 1st, I think when they knew that the session is planned and when they knew that there is a mounting criticism, only then they issued, I'm talking about the UN women, they issued a statement said uh, that they are deeply regretting the fact that Israel resumed its fighting in Gaza. And they said that is a woman, um, you know, either Israeli woman or Palestinian woman of, of uh, all sides are entitled to life of safety and free from violence. And then they said they unequivocally condemned the brutal attacks by Hamas. That came, as I said, on December 1st only. And it's a very, again, it's a very, um, you know, not so strong statement. We need uh, more from that body. And actually, um, Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, he called on uh, the woman who heads the UN women, Sima Sami Bahaus, to just resign because she is not doing her job. So whenever she was asked about uh, Hamas um, sex crime during war, she always said, true, but the other side, da, 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 da. You know, it's always Israel thought as if, as if, you know, there, we have to be clear about that. Israeli soldiers are not doing anything close to that. We are fighting back after being attacked. I also should mention uh, Kristen Gillibrand, the senator from New York, who attended the session at the UN. This is very important. She is, um, you know, she's an important political figure. And she really, she gave a strong uh, speech uh, last night at the UN. She said, 
when I saw the list of the women organization that said nothing, I was shocked. Where is the solidarity for women in this world? And she said, um, the horrific acts by the Hamas are indescribable. And she said, she told the people she saw the raw footage and the sheer level of evil is just, you know, you cannot unsee it. It haunts you. But here's my question. Okay, so there's the statement that has finally come out from the UN Women Agency. There are the statements that were made at the UN. There is attention being brought, but it's now December 5th. And we know that international women's groups have essentially all been silent, as you mentioned. Do we think UN Women the agency is going that their statement is going to push anything out there at this point. Uh, do we think there'll be a groundswell of support for what they are saying, or too little, too late? It is too little, but it's not too late. Meaning, we should keep pushing to work through international organization, even though they don't treat us uh, fairly. That's what we think. Uh, you know, for example, uh, we should push for this international investigation under the International Court of Justice. Um, for example, there is a report by Physicians for Human Rights, uh, the Israeli uh, section. They brought in testimonials by the Zaka people. Zaka is the people who went to respond, the first responders who actually had to carry the the bodies of those women. Israel is collecting those testimonials, and Israel should submit them to any type of court or international body that it can and demand action. We have representatives in all of those bodies around the world, and we know the people who stand uh, in the top of those agencies, including you know, prosecutors, including um, justices, including um, chief of agencies, and just keep on the pressure through the world media as well, through the Times of Israel. I mean, if you're listening to that and you want to read more, definitely there is a lot of reporting done in, in the Times of Israel, but it's also important to mention that the British media in the last uh, 48 hours put the issue of what does women went through before they were murdered it put they put it on the front page of the sunday papers in in UK, in uk there is a report today uh in in the new york times we still have 17 women who are now held captive in the hamas hands and and uh, the uh spokesperson for the state department uh miller yesterday said that they aren't the the way they they see it is that they're horrified by the fact that those women are still held. They think that the Hamas is not willing to release them because of what they've been through. They are afraid those women will tell the world what happened inside. The Israeli work on international body is important because it need it it, it is able to make sure that maybe some of those countries and bodies are in on on board with Israel with respect the the you know the goal of this war which is to make sure that the Hamas doesn't hurt the Israeli people anymore and that, that it's not in power in Gaza Strip in order to make those atrocities again. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Tom. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Sharon will talk to us about what's happening in the tech community right now. Mm-hmm. 
The world we live in isn't perfect, but it doesn't get better on its own. That's where the work of activists comes in. Whether it's environmental justice, animal rights, or disability advocacy, there are people all around the world striving to make it a better place. That's where All About Change comes in. Host Jay Ruderman talks with activists about how they do what they do and what inspires them to keep going. Because activism is all about change. Listen to All About Change wherever you get your podcasts. Sharon, we're with you now, and you have some pieces about some tech companies doing some hiring. There is talk about investment. There's obviously been a lot out there on our pages and on others about how the tech community has been incredibly supportive on the civilian side during the war. But how is the tech community faring right now? What does it look like for them? What are we possibly expecting to see in the coming months? Let me start from, you know, from October. I think, you know, the tech community, as well as the rest of the country, you know, in the aftermath of the October 7th uh, atrocities, there was, there's a real shock and also in the tech community. Um, even some sort of, even, you know, like people were paralyzed. A lot of their colleagues, families were affected um, with time. Um, many of their, uh, you know, in the company startups, many of their employees were called up for reserve, um, you know, at, at the extent that 10 to 20% of their workforce was was not around anymore. Um, we have moved on since then. Um, you know, we are uh, in a war that is probably taking longer. Um, and I think the tech community, um, you know, is is starting to adjust to a situation where Israel is at war um, and they have to operate. Um, um, just a little anecdote from yesterday. I was on the phone with, with a contact from the tech community. Um, suddenly we were disrupted. Uh, you know, I, I can't name him, but um, he just said, oh, I think there's a siren going off. I mean, he was literally located 10 minutes from, you know, 10 minutes drive from probably where I was located. We didn't have, I didn't have a siren. He just said, um, sorry, got to go, be back in 10 minutes um, because he's just going to shelter. Um, so, so that just shows you um, how the tech communities is holding up. Um, they are, you know, they've come out with a slogan of Israeli high tech delivers no matter what. And this is what's been happening and the past a couple of, of weeks, I would even say, um, we do see a lot of companies, um, we've had surveys, a lot of companies saying that some of their projects have been halted, um, some of their investments have been uh, frozen. Um, but I think the, the um, they're showing a lot of their investors who are abroad that, um, yeah, despite the war, they're committed to the work, they're committed to, to operate and that commitment is is a sign or testament, really, of their strength and of their resilience, showing that, you know, if, you know, if we can operate in such a difficult and challenging environment, then maybe it's worth investing in us. And they're doing also some kind of hasbara to like people outside of Israel who see these, you know, this very, very challenging um and, you know, even unheard situation that Israel is coping with 
But at the same time, we are seeing the tech community stepping in, um, people working overtime and thinking of, you know, uh, developing technologies that are helpful in such a difficult time. Um, so these are, you know, um, particularly the larger companies. Now, Metrics yesterday said, um, you know, this is an employer of 12,000 people, mostly in Israel, that they're looking to fill uh, 700 vacancies. And they're sort of looking for software developers. They're looking, um, you know, they're looking for uh, data protection technologies. Um, they are, um, you know, because Israel, on the one hand, needs technologies, sort of life-saving technologies, but a lot of companies need to also adjust to a new situation that they need to continue with their businesses, which means people are working from home, they're hybrid workers. Um, we've also seen um, an increase of cyber threats of like Iranian-affiliated um, uh, hackers who are trying to expose uh, data and information of companies. So they need more cyber, you know, areas like cybersecurity is, is very uh, in demand at the moment. And so, for example, Matrix, they're working with all the big tech companies like Microsoft and Amazon, but they're also working with banks like Bank Leomi, and they're also working with the army because the army is also being exposed. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities in this very difficult time. And I would say maybe the larger, most established companies are probably doing okay. There's a big but about the smaller, uh, the early stage startups who really have a very short runway, meaning that, you know, they've maybe raised, you know, have enough money to go for in the next three, maybe six months. Uh, but then what? And so that's a big um, issue. Um, we have seen a few governmental um, initiatives uh, to support um, these startups to help them find funding um, and to kind of try and give them some, also some consulting, some advice. Uh, but we are going to see either, you know, some some of them will survive and some of them will be maybe bought by larger companies. Um, but we're also going to see some of them uh, not surviving. Civil lining of this is that in history, the Israeli tech community has shown that they've come out out of wars uh, with in strength, with, you know, because people operate. They try to operate even in such a difficult time. Obviously, there's a lot to cover and it'll keep on unfolding. All right. Thanks for that, Sharon. And really, thanks to you both for being with me on today's Daily Briefing. It's been good to talk to you. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you and stay safe. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Stay tuned for tomorrow's installment. This episode was produced by the Podwaves. If you have any comments about this episode or others, please drop us an email, podcast at timesofisrael.com. Of course, you can also feel free to recommend us to other listeners and rate us wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, take care. Have yourselves a decent day. 